Scripture reading this morning is taken from Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? For lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love. We thank you for his sacrifice. And we thank you for the church that resulted in that sacrifice. We pray that we will always be faithful. Always remember that sacrifice. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and call you Father and ask you for things that we want and things that we need. And thank you for the things that you've delivered. Father, we thank you for the healing of so many who we've been praying about for for weeks now. We also ask that you continue to bless those that that are still in pain, those who are still uh, seeking your healing. Father, we thank you for the leaders of this church, and we pray that you will continue to give us the wisdom to guide this group of Christians to heaven to be with you. Father, we thank you for the missionaries that that we support. We thank you for their sacrifice to go to other lands and to spread your word in places where it may not be easy to spread your word. But also, Father, we, we ask that you give us a mindset to be missionaries in our community, that you'll help us to have the courage to talk to our friends and our neighbors about this Jesus who has changed our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. This next song I changed from what uh, is in your bulletin, only one page different, but uh, it's 401, Live Live for Jesus, number 401. For Jesus, oh my brother, his disciple ever be. Render not to any other what alone the Lord should be. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus, wandering sinner, under Satan serve no more. O'er the promised prize a winner, thou mayst be when life is o'er. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. 
On the cross the world's Redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Live for Jesus in life's morning, at the noontide hour be his. At the eve when day is turning, and inherit endless bliss. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, give him all thou hast to give. On the cross the world's Redeemer gave his life that thou mightst live. Today's uh, invitation song, after Andy speaks to us, will be Number 739, if you're using a book and like to mark that, What Will You Do With Jesus? Number 739. And now before he comes to speak to us, let's sing, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. Number uh, 492, 492. Oh, Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret, help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. Help me the slow of heart to by some clear winning word of love, teach me the wayward feet to stay and guide them in the still with thee in closer dear company in work that keeps faith sweet and strong in trust that triumphs over wrong in hope that sends a shining ray far down the future's broadening way in peace that only thou canst give with thee, oh.
Good morning, church family. It's good to see you. Hope that you are doing well and glad that we can be here together to worship our God. I'll start this, uh, this time uh, by lead- reading the letter from the Pattersons and uh, then having a prayer for them. So let's, let me read this to you uh, from Jimmy and Sean. It says, Dear Jefferson family, and quotes Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that for the, those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Then they say, words cannot express our gratefulness for the love and support that you have shown our family for so many years. You have celebrated our triumphs and have put your arms around us in encouragement through our failures. It has been a pleasure to worship, pray, and serve our Lord and Savior alongside you. We will continue to pray that God blesses the work here in this community and around the world. We seek your prayers as we transition to this new chapter in our lives, and we humbly request prayers and influence for the family that is still here. You are all dear to us. You should, should our paths not cross again, we look forward to our family reunion in heaven. Love, Jimmy and Sean Patterson. Let's go to prayer on their behalf at this time. God, we thank you so much for the Pattersons. We thank you for the blessings that they have been here uh, for so many years. Uh, Sean and Jimmy, dear Lord, and their family, their children. Lord, we pray that you will uh, be with them as they make this move, Lord, and pray that it will be a blessing to them and to the family they'll be with in Florida and also perhaps even to the blessing, the family that is, that is still in Tennessee, Father. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, traveling grace for them, dear Lord, uh, not only during their trip, but throughout the rest of their lives. Lord, be with them and bless them and bring about good things for them. Lord, help us to continue to be their family as we are and help us to recognize that we can not only help them uh, move on Friday, but we can help them uh, while they're there in Florida and while their family, some of their family still remains here. Lord, help us to, to be a blessing to them. Thank you for the blessings that they are to us. And Lord, help each of us to be your humble servants. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This week, I don't know if uh, if you paid attention much to the news. Let me rephrase that. If you made a mistake and paid attention much to the news, or if you got on social media, uh, this week, probably in reality, not much different than any other week. There's always something going on in the world. Uh, usually, some good things. Thankfully, we're thankful for those things. But also, usually, some some bad things that are happening. And then there are just things that happen that uh, some people think they're good and some people think they're bad. And this week much like any week, is no different. And we're not going to get into you probably maybe being very vague and you probably know at least some of the things I'm already talking about. Uh, Or if you don't, you may be thinking something totally different than what I'm talking about just based on your experience this week. The point is, life happens, doesn't it? The world doesn't act like Jesus, and we're not surprised that the world doesn't act like Jesus. What I want us to think about this morning is when the world doesn't act like Jesus, which will be every single day how do jesus followers how do christians how do children of god respond to that and this morning i want to take us through about five different passages make some brief comments on each of them but really just draw hopefully our hearts closer to god or maybe more importantly draw us closer to the heart of god 
If you turn to to Hebrews chapter 12, we'll briefly look at that before we move on to some other passages. Hebrews chapter 12, of course, follows Hebrews chapter uh, 11 because that's the way numbers work. Uh, But in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, you'll know the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? Where we read about all those great men and women of the Old Testament who did great things because of their faith, because they believed in and they trusted in God. Uh, They acted and they did things that lots of other people weren't willing to do because they didn't have a belief or a trust in God. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And really, if I were to answer the question of what are we supposed to do, what what am I supposed to do as a child of God? What are you supposed to do as a child of God? What are we supposed to do as uh, followers of Jesus? When the world acts like the world, that verse sums it up pretty well. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Fix our eyes on Jesus and run with endurance this race that's set before us. A couple things there that we can notice that I probably have already said, but let me remind you of it. Of course, we've got to get away from sin as followers of Jesus. We've repented of those things, and we're not to live in those things anymore. We want to be followers of Jesus. But notice he also said, lay aside every encumbrance. And what I want to take from that this morning is sometimes the troubles and the worries and the cares and the concerns of this world are self-inflicted. Sometimes we carry weights that we don't have to carry. Sometimes we say, I'm going to run this race that's set before me. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. But then we take things along with us that have nothing to do with following Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have other interests or we can't be involved in other things, that we can't, you know, uh, be good at other things. But what's our number one goal? What do we really want to do? What are we really aspiring to? What's our ambition in life? As Christians, I hope, I hope that our number one thing in the face of all other things, is simply to follow Jesus. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 30, which was read to us earlier. Proverbs chapter 30, we'll read verses 7 through 9. Let's look at as we think about this idea of how do we respond, what are our goals, perhaps even you may think about what is our ambition as, as children of God, as followers of Jesus. In Proverbs chapter 30, we read about a man that we really don't know much about. Uh, in Proverbs 30 and verse 1, it says that these are the words of Agur, or Agur uh, a man that outside of this chapter, I don't believe we know anything about in all of Scripture. Uh, but the writer of Proverbs, the person who was uh, collecting all these different writings, he found some wisdom because this is a, a book of wisdom and God saw fit, listen, God saw fit to make sure these words were in our Bible, in his word, so that we could hear them and that we could know them. And he says a prayer, basically, in verses 7 through 9 to God. And it's a, it's a little bit of a, an interesting prayer, certainly. It's certainly not a prayer that our society would pray. It's not even like some of the prayers that we find elsewhere in the Bible. But I want us to look at what he says, and then also he explains the reasoning for what he's asking for. Look at verses 7 through 9 of Proverbs chapter 30. He says, Two things I ask of you, God. Do not withhold from me before I die. He says, God, these things are important to me. Please give these things during my lifetime. Keep worthlessness or deceitfulness and every false word far, far from me. Give me neither poverty, okay, well, we like that idea, nor riches. And that's where it gets a little interesting. That's where it gets a little strange. We would certainly pray and probably in some form or fashion have prayed before, God, please don't give me poverty. 
Please give me the things that I need. Please help me to be able to take care of my family. Uh, Please help me to to get this job or this position or go to this college or make this grade. Please give me good things, Lord. Please don't give me poverty. But then he also says, nor riches. When's the last time you prayed for God not to give you riches? It's probably been a while, if ever, right? But then he explains his reasoning, and his reasoning is beautiful and profound and something for us to think about. He says at the end of verse uh, number 8, feed me with the food that is my portion. So he's not asking for nothing. He's saying, give me what's mine. And then in verse 9, he explains it. Lest I be full or I have riches or I have great abundance, lest I am full and deny you, saying, who is Yahweh? Or lest I be impoverished and steal and profane the name of the Lord. So he says, God, please don't give me, please don't give me poverty but also please don't give me riches. And his reasoning behind it is, and we, as we think about you know, those, those self-inflicted wounds, those, those weights that we're carrying in this race that we're running that we don't have to carry, and the, the writer of Hebrews tells us, lay aside every encumbrance, lay aside every weight, get rid of everything when you're running this endurance race. When you're running this, this long race, not this sprint not this, this uh, strength feat, but you're running this long endurance race. He says, get rid of the things that are going to slow you down. Maybe they won't slow you down right now, but going forward, if we continually carry them, they'll slow us down. Those things that we focus on, those things that we think about, those things that we devote ourselves to, that in reality don't help us much spiritually. And he says here, don't give me poverty, certainly, but also don't give me Riches. Now, of course, we'll say that it's not wrong to be rich. We know that. We recognize that. And this isn't just about wealth. This isn't just about financial wealth. You could apply this to, to any other part of your life, things that you're devoted to in, in extreme ways. Uh, and he says, you know, lest I be full and deny you. And that's happened. We've seen that kind of thing. And we'll read some other verses uh, here in a few minutes that kind of talk about that. But we've seen folks, even maybe our own families or friends or church members, that are so blessed that they come to the point where they, they think, maybe they would never verbalize it, but their actions show that they think, well, I don't really need God anymore. I'm fine just by myself. I'm doing just fine the way that I am. So that's an interesting prayer. He doesn't want to deny God and say, who is God? Who is the Lord? And he doesn't want to, to be in a bad situation, be impoverished and steal, and thereby profane the name of God. Let's look to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's read verses 11 and 12. Another passage that uh, has been on my mind recently, uh, we know especially verses uh, 13 and following. Oh, it's often read at funerals. Uh, it's that passage that talks about we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep. And then he says uh, that those who have died in Christ will uh, will ascend into to heaven and be with Jesus first and those who are alive when Jesus comes. So and then at the end of that passage, it says, comfort one another with these words. So we, we're familiar with that part of it. But right before that, it says something, uh, again, maybe some strange goals. Again, when we think about what what does is, what is our society hold as valuable? What does our society, what does our culture, what does our world say? These are the important things. And here God, through the Paul, is going to say, no, there are some different things that need to be important to the child of God, to the follower of Jesus. It says in chapter 4, verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians, make it your ambition, make it your goal, make it your aim, make what you strive for to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and to work with your hands just as we commanded you, 
so that you will walk properly towards outside outsiders and not be in any need. Let's notice a few things there. Again, make it your ambition. That means that this isn't going to happen by accident. You're not going to lead a quiet life by accident. You have to make it your ambition. You have to try to lead a quiet life. And what does a quiet life mean? Well, he goes on and he kind of explains a little bit here. He says uh, to, to attend to your own business. And, and that doesn't mean that you're a business owner and you take care of your business. The context and especially the, the wording that's used in the, in the original language really just means mind your business. Don't be a busybody. Don't be all up in everybody else's business. You mind your business. And when it says there and work with your hands, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, and this is what I thought it meant for a long time, that you need to get out in the yard and you need to work with your hands and you need to be, you know, physically laboring and that sort of thing. That's not what it means. It says, and labor with your hands. It's emphasizing again the idea that you mind to your business, that you handle things that are yours. I can't control your hands. You can't control my hands. I can control my hands, though, and that's what I need to be focused on. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your business, and to do what you can with your things. Because outside of that, you can't control everything. And he goes on to say in verse 12, so that you will walk properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. When we think about ambition, what is the the ambition of the world? Well, it's riches, it's fame, it's glory, it's honor, it's me, it's me, it's me. Let me get you to pay attention to me. And God says, hey, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. What that means is, and this is something that that probably most of us who have social media struggle with, that we don't go back and look and see how many likes our post got. Anybody been there? We don't go check and see, hey, how many people commented or, or shared my post? No, we're leading a quiet life. We may say some things, we may, we may make a statement that we believe, but we're not really concerned about people who like our post or pay attention to us or praise us in, in that sort of way. And, and it can be on social media or it can be in you know, face-to-face conversation. It doesn't matter. We're not concerned about popularity. We're not concerned about wealth or, or riches. We're concerned about making sure that we're leading a quiet life. We're taking care of the things that God has given to us and he's made us the stewards over. And the reason for that is in verse 12, so that you may behave properly towards outsiders. So that when people see the way that I live my life, they notice that it's different than the way everybody else is living their life. And maybe that gives me the opportunity to have an influence on them in a positive way. Again, when we think about what the world says, and because we are in the world, we hear this all the time. The world says, make it your ambition to be successful. Make it your ambition to get the best job. Make it your ambition to get into the best college. Make it your ambition to do this and and build yourself up and build your name up. And again, none of those things are necessarily wrong in and of themselves. But when we make it our ambition, our goal, our aim, above everything else, and certainly above God, then that's one of those weights that we're carrying on this race that we're running. And while it may not hurt us short term, it will likely hurt us long term. Let's look at the idea of seeking some different things. Things. Turn over to just a few passages to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's read verses 6 through 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. 
talks about uh, some who were trying to, uh, in the previous verses to this, some uh, preachers really who in the first century that Timothy is writing to, they had the idea of, of uh, making sure that they were, again, gaining wealth or fame or fortune or whatever it may have been simply through uh, preaching the word. Uh, and in verse 6 it says, but godliness or being like God, being who God wants us to be, actually is means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Now when he says it's a means of great gain, he's not talking about money. But he's talking about there are great benefits to being who God wants us to be. Verse number 7. For we have brought nothing into this world, so we, can take, we cannot take anything out of it either. And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Again, that's very different than what the world tells us. Verse 9. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by aspiring or having it as their ambition have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O man of God, O child of God, O follower of Jesus, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Again this morning, that passage warns us against pursuing money and making it that our ambition, making that the thing that we uh, seek the most. But again, it could apply many other words other than riches could be plugged in there. Popularity, fame, whatever vice we may struggle with, whatever temptation we may struggle with, when we, when we put, plug that in and that's our ambition or that's our aim or that's what we're seeking and that's what our entire life revolves around, then it's going to lead to many harmful things that will happen in our lives. And we've seen people, not only with money, but through whatever other vices folks may have, where they've lost friends, they've lost family, they've lost health, they've lost many things in their lives because they have put other things as more important than Jesus. And he says again in verse 11, but you, O man of God, speaking to anyone who's a follower of Christ, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And I think maybe the problem is, maybe one of the problems, is the fact that we know how to seek and pursue riches. We know that. We teach our children that, don't we? Hey, you got to make a good grade so you can get into a good college, so you can get a good job. And again, I want my kids to make good grades and get into a good college and get a good job. I want that. You probably want that for your kids or your grandkids. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But you have seen, as I have seen, many people who make that their number one goal above all other things. We know how to pursue riches. We know how to pursue fame. We know how to pursue all of these worldly things. But when he says you pursue righteousness, well, how do you pursue righteousness? When he says, hey, you pursue godliness, well, how do we pursue godliness? How do we pursue faith, love, perseverance, gentleness? And maybe that's the problem. That we need to spend more time in families talking about this. Maybe we need to spend more time in, in our Bible classes about thinking about, okay, well, where am I lacking? And what do I, where do I need to grow? We need to think about this more often. Where do I, how do I pursue these things? And certainly a study of God's word and a spending of time with God's people is the quickest, easiest answer. But are there more deeper answers? Probably so. And we need to spend time thinking about those things. Turn lastly this morning to Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Again, the world 
this week has been focused on a lot of different things. Uh, it's been focused on money. It's been focused on paying things off. It's been focused on uh, any number of other things. Next week, it'll be something else. As soon as this, uh, this interest in, in uh, student loan payments dies off, guess what? Something else will come up. And the world will always be doing something to get our minds on anything except for Jesus. And you know how that, why that happens? Because Satan is really good at what he does. And he wants us to simply be distracted. He's not really, at least in our culture, in, in, in America, and maybe in the West in general, he's not really punishing people or bringing about harm for people to, uh, because they believe in faith like he did in the first century. People, at least in our part of the world, are not dying for their faith. There are people in other parts of the world who are dying for their faith. But in our part of the world, it seems like there's been a, a different approach to getting people off track from their Christianity. And that approach seems to be, let me just make them busy. Let me just make them think about other things. And he's awfully good at that, isn't he? And he uses the world and worldliness and, uh, and the way the world thinks and what the world focuses on to try and to get us to focus on those same things. But we recognize that we as followers of Jesus, as children of God, won't, don't want to be like the world. We want to be more like Jesus. And sometimes we, we, we make it more difficult than it needs to be. What does God want me to do? What does God expect of me? In Micah chapter 6, uh, God is talking to the Israelites and they have messed up big time. And they have actually approached God, uh, Micah, along with some of the other Israelites, they've approached God and they have been blaming God about the things that are happening. And then God turns around and he says, hey, wait a second, I haven't done anything wrong. You guys are the ones who have wandered away from me. And God could say that to each of us individually. He could say that to our families. He could say that to our nation. He could say that to the entire world. Many people in our world, and maybe even sometimes we are guilty of saying, God, why is this happening? Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this to me? And God could very easily, if he wanted to, speak down from heaven and say, hey, wait a second. I'm not the one who's done something wrong. You're the one who has messed up. You're the one who's wandered away from me. And this is the, con- the conclusion that Micah comes to uh, and that God declares to us today. With what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before God, the God on high. Shall I come with, come before Him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Is the Lord pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now these things again may be things that we don't appreciate. He's talking about sacrifices and lambs and, and all those things. Certainly we would recognize that the value of, uh, of our firstborn, but He's offering things that in His world would have been tremendously valuable today we might say you know will i give up all of my possessions will i will i give you all my money will i give you all my property will i give you all my cars will will i can i give you everything god are you going to be pleased with that and the conclusion is god doesn't need those things the question that we might ask ourselves if we think about where we're what we're focusing on and what our ambition is and what we're, we're what we're seeking is what are we offering god in our lives today what are we offering God? And if we were to say, you know, God, I'll give you all my money. God, I'll, I'll give you all my possessions. I'll give you my cars. I'll give you my houses. God could simply say, I own all of that already. That's already mine. So you're not giving me anything that I haven't already given you. And I don't really want that stuff. In verse 8 of Micah 6, he says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love loving kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What does God want from us? What should be our goal 
and our aim. As we run this race that's set before us, what should be our purpose? Again, the writer of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He tells us to get rid of the sin that's in our life and to lay off those other things that are getting in our way. And this morning, as the world is worried about so many things, concerned about so many things, focused on so many things, the question for us this morning is, what are we focused on? And and I know that you're like me, that whatever you look at and whatever you pay attention to, that's what you're going to be focused on. So if you, like me, paid attention to the news this week, or you got on social media this week, or you probably even just talked to other people this week of a certain age and a, a certain lifestyle and the things that are going on in their lives, that lots of different things were probably on their minds and on your minds, and many of those things didn't draw us any closer to Jesus. Or maybe, to say it better, maybe many of our reactions to what's going on in the world didn't draw us any closer to Jesus. This morning, I want us to think about and I want us to draw our hearts back to God. I want us to draw us back to the heart of God. And what has he told you, oh man? He's told us what is good. He told us what he expects, and that is to do justice, to do the right thing, always. To love loving kindness. That word loving kindness there means mercy. That means to, to do the right thing and to be merciful to people when they don't do the right thing and to walk humbly with your God. And again, that harkens back to Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, fix our eyes on Jesus as we run this race that is set before us. Uh, This morning, I want to encourage those of us who are Christians to remember what our purpose is. Our purpose is not to be successful in this world. There's nothing wrong with being successful by the worldly standards unless that gets in our way of being successful in God's eyes. God has asked us to do the right thing always to be kind and merciful to those who don't always do the right thing and to walk humbly with our God recognizing our great need for him let's pray God we come to you this morning with many things on our minds all of us have things going on in our lives Uh, some great things that have happened to us many of us this week perhaps have been blessed and we rejoice with those who have uh, great things going on in their lives Lord, we also recognize that this week there have been those who have been laid to rest and those who have lost loved ones or those who continue to lose or mourn the loss of those who have been lost in the past. Lord, we pray that you will be with them and strengthen them and bless them. Lord, we mourn with those who mourn. God, there are things going on in the world that seek to divide us, that seek to draw us in different directions other than the direction of your son. And whatever side of whatever arguments on whatever topic there may be lord help us to be united in the fact that we want to be followers of jesus and lord help us to to realize and recognize that that satan always wants to distract us always wants to get us off course always wants us to get us out of the way out of following jesus and lord help us to be strong enough and be here for one another so that we can refocus ourselves and help others to refocus on your son jesus Lord, forgive us when we fail, and thank you for your son. We pray these things in his name. Amen. My challenge for you this morning is for every day this week, I would love for you to read Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Read that prayer of this man that we know very little about. God, I'm going to ask some things for you, and I, ask, I pray that you will give those things to me before my life is over. 
take deceitfulness or worthlessness and every false word or lying and, and remove them far from me. God, I don't want to have anything to do with any of those things. Lord, I pray that you won't give me poverty, but Lord, I pray that you won't give me riches. Give me what's mine. Give me what I need. Because God, I don't want to be so full of things where I, I lose the importance of who you are in my life. And I want to, don't want to be so desperate for things that I break your law and profane who you mean to me, what you mean to me. That would be a prayer that you could pray this week. To think about and, and consider what are the, the weights that you're carrying that are maybe getting in your way of following Jesus. What are the things that you need to lay aside? What are the things that you're worried about that God isn't worried about? Think about those things and consider those things. The world this week is going to try and distract you and will probably be successful if you're not purposely making it your ambition to lead a quiet life, minding your own business, doing the best with what God has given to you so that you can be a good example to those around you. This morning, if you're not a Christian, uh, we would love to talk to you about that. This hasn't been a, a gospel sermon per se as far as the plan of salvation, uh, but if you already know that, and you want to talk to us about that, if you're ready to put Christ on in baptism where all of your sins are washed away, we want to help you with that this morning. If that's foreign to you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please let us know that. And we want to show you simply what God's word says. And we would encourage you to obey it. I encourage all of us to obey the word of God today. And where there's changes that we need to make, let's make those changes this morning. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.